Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I am the founder of Teach the Geek. I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And you can learn more about that at teachthegeek.com. Again, that is teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Alistair McDermott. He's host of the Recognized Authority podcast, and he's also a marketing consultant. But would you believe that he actually started off as a software developer? So I'm really interested to know more about how he made that transition from or to marketing from software development, the goal for his podcast, and the ways in which public speaking has benefited his life. Life. So welcome to Teach the Geek Interviews, Alistair. Thanks, Neil. Great to be here. So from the bit of research I did on you, Alistair, I saw that you studied software development. So what was the motivation to, to study that? Um, well, uh, I'm talking to geeks, so uh, I'm 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 a I'm a geek through and through. Um so I've always I've always been, I'm I'm sure like many of your listeners, I grew up reading science fiction. Um I, you know, I was a big Star Trek fan. Um I got into uh, playing around with computers in my teens, and uh, I liked I like playing with computers, and and I realized I I changed my my major um just before I went to college to to do computer science or um software development as it was called, and um yeah it just uh it, it was a good fit for me so um I I liked what, I liked working in that kind of field. You said you changed it. What did you change it to or from? From um so I wasn't really sure I was gonna do I was thinking about doing physics, and. Uh, um, because again, had that kind of um, left brain logical structured thinking, um, but I wasn't really, I, I, I wasn't really feeling the love for physics. I have to say, uh, and I'm very, very glad I didn't go down that route. All right. So now you get this degree, and so what? What type of work did you do once you graduated? Uh, I wanted to work in one company only. Um, so I graduated in in the uh, early 2000s. And uh, I wanted to work in a company called Sun Microsystems because I thought that they had the best engineers. And, and I think I, I still to this day think that they do. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have the best uh, business leaders. So um, they're, they're now defunct out of business. They were bought up by uh, Oracle, uh, Larry Ellison. So, um, but uh, yeah, I wanted to work. I wanted to work there with uh, because I saw some great engineers there. Um, and, and so I did. Oh, okay. So what, what type of work did you do when you were there? So I was working on their uh, their operating system called Solaris. So uh, I worked. Uh, I was a C programmer <laughs> working, and I, I worked in in um, uh, in the Solaris networking security um, on single sign on. Kerberos was the was the name of the project. Oh, right. So uh, I worked. I worked on that, and then I worked in a pre integration testing group, and uh, then I decided that uh, I was a terrible employee, so I needed to go work for myself. You know, I, I came to the same realization, too, a few years ago. And then not only that, but even in this time of COVID, when people were working remotely and now many are being called back to the office, I, I don't want to be called back to anywhere. I want to work. I want, firstly, I want to work on the things I want to work on and I want to work on them where I want to work on them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, when I when I see some of the uh, the way that people are speaking about bringing people back into the office, I mean, I think I think. I think a lot of business people are getting this very, very wrong. I'm glad I'm not in the employee kind of um, 
uh, employee shoes right now because I, I wouldn't I would not be getting on with an employer who, who was demanding that I go back to the office. And uh, like I was talking to somebody recently about hybrid working and they said, oh, yeah, so hybrid means that you have to go into the office, you know, on these particular days. And I was like, well, no, hybrid means that you can go into the office, not that you have to. <laughs> so, so even the even those little little uh, differences. But um, yeah, it, it turns out I'm, I just don't make for a good employee. I'm not very good at taking direction um in terms of uh, the disc my, my my compliance uh my compliance score is very low so um i'm not very good at that part so what i did instead was i decided to start a business and um and then what i realized because this was after leaving a software engineering job I, I realized that i had very little uh saleable uh skills and um in terms of trying to sell directly so i had to go figure that part out and uh, that's kind of how i got into the marketing Okay, so it didn't come when you were actually working as an employee. It came after you left. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh wow! Okay, so what did you do to to build up that? I like, get that skill set. So when I was while I still was still a software engineer at Sun, um, I was I was helping some folks out with websites in the evenings. Um, you know, just like helping friends. Not it wasn't a paid gig or anything like that. But I I learned about a thing called search engine optimization which was really interesting at the time. Uh, it was very technical. It, it's actually much less technical now because there's a lot better tools available. Um, but back then it was quite technical. You had to do a lot of the uh, search engine optimization, the SEO work. You had to had to do it uh, manually by hand. And so I was really interested because uh, it was it was kind of it, it wasn't um, it wasn't exactly engineering, but it was it was related. And so I, I, I got interested in doing that. And when I quit my job, because basically I, I realized I was going to uh, I was going to drive myself into depression if I didn't quit my job. Um, what I, I when I looked around at my skill set and like what can I actually sell to people here, uh, I realized that SEO was probably one of the very few things that I knew how to do that other people would be willing to pay me for. And so that was how I I started out. So I started out doing um, search engine optimization for for small businesses. All right. And so you started off with SEO and then what did the business eventually become? Um, so what happened was I joined a a, a startup network uh, for business owners. And so I, me I met with a lot of business owners who were in startup phase. And so something that, that these people need a lot of is, is new websites. They don't need uh, search engine optimization very much. And so what happened was I kept getting asked for websites and I eventually caved to, to that demand and started building websites. Now, just as an aside, uh, startup business owners are terrible, terrible clients. Uh, they don't have any money. Uh, they don't really know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. They're probably going to pivot. Um, there's so many things that you, you know, that you learn. Um, so they, they didn't make for, for great clients. Uh, but I got into building websites and the first few that I built were terrible. Um, but I eventually figured out what I was doing with that. And so, uh, and I realized that I actually much preferred building websites than doing search engine optimization because selling SEO as a service, uh, the premise or the promise of it is it's not very nice because basically what you're saying is um, we're going to do a lot of work. We're going to charge you a lot of money for it because there's a hell of a lot of work in it and it may work and it may not work. And, uh, and, and by the way, it's going to take six to 12 months for it to have any impact. And so it's, it's, I, I really did not enjoy selling that. Um, and I know that, you know, there's, there's things that you can do to, uh, to tweak your offer, 
um, to change things, to the structure of the deal. You know, once you've got some experience, you can you can look at previous you know, other clients and things like that um, to, sh- to you know, to show the client what, what they're going to get. But I really didn't enjoy selling that. So uh, I it was much easier to sell websites where, hey, you want a website? Give me money and I'll build you something that looks cool, just like this one. And uh, so I did that and I started doing that. I, I rebranded the business. Uh, it was originally called Log On Internet Marketing. I rebranded it to Website Doctor. So you can still see the, the website for that at WebsiteDoctor.com. And uh, so um, that's that's where, you know, how I got into doing websites. And um, and of course, as I built websites, a lot of my clients then came to me afterwards and asked me for marketing help. And I realized I needed to kind of upskill myself in marketing. And uh, so that's how I kind of ended up in marketing. Okay, that makes sense. It kind of all stemmed from just people asking, you know, you, you getting the feedback is we need help with this. You, you gave us this. Great. Now. We need help with this too, but oh, do I actually know that? Let me let me figure out how to do that, and then hey, that's well, more that's more money I can charge people. <laughs> what's what's wrong with that? You you well, mentioned that's, you met, well, that's the cool thing about being a geek, by the way, <laughs> because usually we can figure things out like that and 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 learn how to do something that that other people don't know and that we don't know to start with. Absolutely, you mentioned that the first few websites you made were terrible. What made them terrible? Uh, I didn't really have any experience. I didn't know what I was doing. Um. I, I was trying to replicate what I saw uh, elsewhere and I was able to replicate it, but I didn't really understand the logical, the, the logical sequence behind that. And um, so, yeah, like the, you know, um, the, they, they were difficult to edit. They looked okay. Um, they looked professional, but they were difficult to edit because in the back end I had done things. I, I, I made sacrifices on the back end to make it look right on the front end. Okay. And so um, I mean, I basically compromised the um, not in a security sense, but in a um, in a trade offs kind of sense, uh, I compromised the the kind of so. So those websites would have had a lot of technical debt. Um, you know, it would have been hard to go in and edit them, uh, but they, they would have been effective on the front end in terms of what they were doing, so long as you didn't want to change them. But um, you need to change your website. So <laughs> uh, so they, they weren't great. And like my first few projects, but then I was charging, you know, pittance for them anyway. So um, so they probably still got a good deal uh, because I I, uh, I didn't didn't realize that that startup businesses at just how bad they were as a as a potential market. So it took me a while to realize um, and make ability to pay one of the requirements for uh, for new potential clients. Understood. So if anyone that was listening or, or watching this, this conversation wants to make that switch to self-employment as, after working in a, a more technical role, whatever that self-employment is, what advice would you have for that person? Uh, the first is learn while you're still cashing in the corporate paycheck. Um, unless you really have to for your mental health. And I, I completely understand because like from my own sanity and mental health, I had to quit my job. Uh, I was not a good employee. I was not a good coworker for my coworkers. I actually went out for beers with them in subsequent years and apologized to them and to my previous boss because I know um, I was smart enough not to get fired and I was doing enough not to get fired, but I wasn't particularly uh, pleasant to work with. You know, um, I would have I would have been the guy who asked annoying questions in meetings just to make the meeting longer, uh, things like that, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's you. You're that guy. Oh, I man. was that guy. Yeah. And just because I, you know, I just didn't want to be there, you know. Um, but but to back back to your question, like, like what what should you actually do? Um, 
I think that it's important. So, so first off, you need some runway, like you need some cash. So uh, learn and experiment, read, listen to podcasts, uh, watch uh, YouTube channels uh, like this one and, and, you know, learn as much as you can about the business side of things and uh, figuring out the marketing side, because if you are going to go self-employed, uh, you need to have those skills. You need to have the business skills as well. It's, it's, um, I think it's a, it's a kind of like a, a myth and, and this is something actually, I think the e-myth uh, encompasses this. Um, the e-myth is the entrepreneurial myth. It's a book by Michael Gerber and uh, it's probably the most, um, it's the most uh, referred to book on my podcast because I always ask uh, guests for uh, book recommendations. And, and basically the, the entrepreneurial myth is that somebody who is good at doing something uh, is also good at running a business that does that thing. So if you're great at um, at being a software engineer, that does not automatically make you great at running a software business. And um, so you just need to, to be careful about that because they, they are different skill sets. It's still really useful, um, but it is important to think of yourself as a business. Now, there are other options like contracting where um, you're not really, you know, becoming self-employed. It, it's, it's, I think contracting is a job just in under another guy's. Um, but if you actually want to go into starting a business and becoming fully self-employed in that way, then I think you need to upskill on the business knowledge side, the marketing side, because you need to market yourself as well. Yeah. So that plus, you know, learning as much as possible before you start. And also think about like, what, what what is the saleable skill? What are people willing to pay you to do for them? So if you were to quit your job and, and go out and um, start approaching um potential clients, what what can you do for them that would would be worth them giving you their hard-earned cash? And um and just thinking about like what what can you do in that sense because that's that's what it's all about. Oh yeah, 100 percent What are you good at? What do you actually want to do and what was the market willing to pay for? You you cover all three of those things. I think you're off to the races. You're missing mm -hmm. one of them, then you might be in trouble. <laughs> you might be working looking for a job again not sooner than you would think. And it's it's I think you're absolutely right when it comes to the leaving jobs and having that runway. I think that's really important too, because you might think, okay, I, I was good at this as an individual contributor at, at a company. I'll just go out and mm -hmm. by myself and do it. But you're right. If you if you don't have the the skills to let other people know this is what I'm selling like, and 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 putting a, an offer in front of them that they're willing to pay for, well, then you might be updating your LinkedIn profile sooner than you than you had, had hoped. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. You know, Alistair, what, this whole podcast and, and YouTube channel is all about people with technical backgrounds and their public speaking journeys. And the reason mm -hmm. I even started it was because of my own struggles having to give presentations in front of management. I used to work in medical devices as an engineer and I had to give monthly presentations in front of senior management on project status. And those first, those first few presentations I had to give were, were terrible. I I, I probably should have apologized to those people if I ever saw them again, <laughs> but <laughs> take them out, take them out for beers and then, and, and, and do a bunch of Mia culpas. But, but I, but I also noticed that the other engineers who had to give these presentations, they weren't all that much better at it than I was. But I, I certainly saw the, the benefit of getting better at just presenting technical information in front of non-technical audiences. When did you see the benefit of, of, public speaking or just having adept presentation skills, how it could benefit you? Okay. So I'm probably going to answer this at length. <laughs> so let me, let me see if I can address a few different aspects of this. 
Um, the first thing I think is that, and I don't know if this applies to everybody who's watching or listening to this, but for me, certainly as an engineer and the way my engineering brain worked, uh, there was a lot of the business stuff that I just felt that's not really all that important. What's really important here is the facts and the engineer, the, the, the engineering parts of this. Uh, we're here talking to people, um, but the reason we're here talking to them is because we, we want to make the software product better. And, you know, we're trying to do something with the software. And so what, what everybody really cares about here is the, the technical aspects of this. And I was really missing the the whole uh, personal communication side of it, and that it really matters what other people think about you. You know, if you're trying to get a technical point across, then it 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 matters a whole lot that they like you, that they trust you, and so you need to you need to do things that actually contribute to them liking you and trusting you. And it doesn't matter how good you are technically if you, you haven't put those things in place because you won't get your, your message across. And then the technical stuff that you want done won't get done. So I think it's really important. And maybe the people listening to this are, are not like that. But but for me, um, I think that it was it was a major learning that, hey, I need to um I need to realize that the the technical stuff is is not the most important, even if it's the major thing we're talking about here. It's actually getting other people to take the message on board. Like, what's the result that I'm trying to achieve with this presentation? Well, I want them to make this decision. I want them to give funding to this project, or I want them to go go my way on a technical decision instead of this other way. And so if you want that to happen, you actually have to take their hearts and minds, as the phrase goes. You know, um, it's not just about being correct. You know, and and uh, I think that a lot of engineers fall into the thing of, well, I'm technically correct here, and um, at least that definitely me. That was definitely the twenty uh, four year old Alistair. You know, <laughs> that's no no question about that. So that's um, I think that's a major thing that I would take away um, is understanding. You know, you want to bring people with you, and and in order to do that, you've got to get them to like and trust you. Um, and it goes, you know, people talk about no like and trust. Um, that's a, a phrase John Lee Dumas uses all the time in his podcast. Um, but uh, so what can you do? I mean, you can read the Dale Carnegie, Carnegie book and, and um, you know, learn about getting people to, you know, making friends and influencing people. And, and again, a lot of people, if they're in the same place that I was, you'll think that a lot of that is BS. Uh, and to be honest, it is not. Uh, it's really important to learn that stuff as engineers. Um, the cool thing is, again, going back to being an engineer, is you can, you can usually learn this stuff. And it's also, it's not manipulative. It's learning how to communicate properly like a human being. Um, and I think that's something that I would have been concerned about um, is not wanting to come across as manipulative. Um, and so... Um, I think my 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 understanding of ethics was a little bit was a little bit kind of misled. I was I was thinking, okay, um, by trying to get my views across, um, that's not me trying to manipulate people. That's trying to get the the best result for the project, you know. And I'm thinking of it that way. So anyway, that's that's if your brain works the way the way that mine did, um, that that might be interesting for you. Um, the other thing is, and um, this is what I'm, I'm interested in now, is I'm really interested in the concept of building authority. That's why my podcast is called The Recognized Authority. And I work with experts and consultants who are trying to become a recognized authority in their field. And so I'm really interested in that whole journey to becoming an authority. And I did a lot of research on this. 
And speaking and presentations is absolutely crucial. And there's actually a step before that. Well, there's kind of two steps before that. So I see the journey of authority in uh, going through kind of four stages. Uh, the first is where you're a generalist. And so you are um, an expert in what you do, but in lots of different aspects of it. You don't have any kind of specialization. Um, actually, sorry, even before that, you've got the novice who doesn't have that expertise. And everybody starts out as a novice. Um, but eventually you get enough experience to be deemed an expert by yourself and your peers. Um, so, and, 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 you know, getting lots of experiences is the route from novice to, to expert. But once you're this kind of generalist expert, the, the next step up is to specialize in some way and specializing, I think, and, and niching down or niching down, however you like to say it. Uh, I think that's really crucial. And it's something that people uh, mentally resist because they don't want to pigeonhole themselves. But actually, I think it's one of the most important things that we can do, because if you think about the phrase, the recognized authority in your field, uh, it's in your field. You have to have a specialization. You can't you can't be, you know, you can't be an expert in everything. So you have to um, pick pick a, a niche or pick a niche. Um, and so I think choosing that specialization is important. And then the next step is is kind of developing further expertise um, and becoming known once you're once you are a specialist is is the next step is to actually become known and in order to become known it's very simple all you got to do is is something that they tell us back in um in in first grade or whatever in school is they say show your work you've got to show your work in some way so you've got to um speak you've got to write you've got to go on video whatever it is you've got to demonstrate your expertise to other people you've got to share your knowledge and so that's what it's about so so for me um that journey it has these kind of inflection points you go from being a novice getting experience becoming a specialist um after you've become a specialist you're you're learning and starting to publish um or show your knowledge the, the word publish can be scary but basically that can that can be something like this video um it can be speaking can be presenting but basically what you're doing is you're putting your knowledge out and, and demonstrating your expertise and so that is what it changes the that is what flicks the switch for me uh, from being an expert to being a recognized authority, because that's the recognition where other people see you as the authority. You know, Alistair, when you were talking, it, it reminded it, it got me thinking about how you thought that working with others was was or speaking in front of others to convince them of something was manipulative. And when you think about it, it obviously, you, you're not 24 years old anymore, so you've had some years to reflect on on those decisions back then. But if you, if you were to think about it now, it's just like they bring me, they brought me in here because I'm an expert in what I'm what I do. So they they definitely want to hear about what I do, and they want to know what should I do based on my technical expertise. So the, you just have to communicate it in a way that they can take in. And you might just think, mm -hmm. well, these are the facts. Like, what what more is there to say? No, there's a, there's a lot more to say, especially if you're talking to a non-technical audience. The use of story is so important with some of these mm -hmm. people. You know, when you were a kid, maybe your, your parents read you a bedtime story before you went to sleep. But we think that we we try we get away from that apparently when we get when we, once we become adults. But no, it's just human people, human beings like stories. And the, the fact that I, even myself, I, I didn't even think those were appropriate. For more technical presentations, but they're even more appropriate because if you're just talking about a whole bunch of dry data to a, a non-technical audience, they're going to fall asleep. They're going to stare from the space. They're going to they're going to look at their phones. They're going to do any, anything, but actually listen to what you have to say. And I saw this. I saw this firsthand when I used to give presentations in front of management. 
I'd get questions afterwards that I thought I'd answer during the presentation. It's like, weren't you listening? It's like, no, not really. Because <laughs> you, you didn't put it in a way that I can understand. So now that the presentation's over, now I'm going to get my questions answered. It's like, what the hell did I spent all the 15 minutes for then? <laughs> it's just like, oh, man. I just, yeah, it's... <laughs> the, uh, I like to think of We FM. So everybody is listening to We FM, and that's what's in it for me. So everybody is watching this video, um, you know, uh, looking at your website, uh, looking at your presentations through this prism of how it's going to help them solve the problems that they have. And so it's really important to understand their point of view. And, and so I think that if you can figure out before the presentation what's really important to people, then you're 90% of the way to a successful presentation. Like we only spoke really briefly before this, um, before we hit record on here. The, the the question I really wanted to know, and I only asked that one question was who are the people who are, who are going to be watching this and what do they care about? You know, that's, that's the, that's the most important thing because once you understand that, uh, then you can tailor the way you deliver whatever technical points that you want to make. You can couch them in the terms of, the the problem that they have and and how this is a solution for it you know so you can always refer back to that this is important because that's a really useful phrase so if you stick that on tack that on the end of of uh, your presentation um you know anything that you say that you think is important say this is important because and then talk about something that's important to them um, and if you can link that back i think that you'll find that people will pay more attention and and they won't have to ask you the question at the end because they'll remember. Yeah, I think you're, I really like that. This is important because that well, that should certainly help in perking people's ears up. Okay, now I, now I really should pay attention. Okay, he's, he, okay so this is something that's important. So this is definitely something that, that I, I need to listen to as opposed to all the other stuff that he said. <laughs> all that stuff, I, I don't know about all that, but important, okay. Okay, now, now you have my attention. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I, think that's I think I think it's something that I probably didn't do a great job of in technical presentations in the past. Uh, is you know, um, getting people to understand if we if we make this seemingly minor technical decision, here are the business implications that will happen as a result, and sometimes those business implications are fairly minor, and sometimes they're fairly major. So um, a seemingly small technical decision can can kind of snowball down the road in terms of business implications. So that's where I think it's really important to to get your point across. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, Alistair, this has been a great this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being a guest. You've you've definitely added a lot of things to to the to to, to this this conversation that I never even really considered before. So so thank you for that. How can people get in touch with you? You can find me if you go to therecognizedauthority.com or you can stick in uh, YouTube uh, search or in your podcast app, you can put in The Recognized Authority and you might like my podcast. I have over 100 episodes now at this point of me speaking with experts about all aspects of um, becoming a, a, a recognized authority in your field and anything related to kind of running an expert business, which I think a lot of engineers will go on to do if they choose that path. So uh, it could be interesting for anybody who's who's kind of thinking about that. Wonderful. Well, everyone, that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek. You can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Alistair. Thank you. Well, everyone, that marks another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and want to support Teach the Geek, 
please subscribe, share, and like on any of your favorite podcast platforms. On all of them. Also, if you prefer to watch the episodes, head on over to the YouTube channel at youtube.teasthegeek.com. Until next time.